Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod, brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. We are the Big 12 Podcast on the Andy Staples Show and Friends Podcast feed. Thanks as always for listening. I'm Sam Khan, joined by my friends today, Max Olson and Jason Kersey. Guys, it's Red River Week. I'll start with you, Jason. How fired up are you? It's the best week of the year. I, I can't wait. Uh, it's it's absolutely my favorite game to cover every year, and I'm so excited to share the press box with you and your first trip to to the Cotton Bowl. Uh, well, maybe not your first trip to the Cotton Bowl, but your first trip to this game. Yeah, my first trip to the Cotton Bowl was 2012 for the Ticket City Bowl between Houston and Penn State. Not exactly what it, I envisioned when I first this, went there. <laughs> this is going to be a lot different than that. It, it, if the listener doesn't know, like it, it is kind of like. Um, you know, it is like kind of like the bouncer at the club. Like Sam would often come to Red River and he would say, am I, you know, oh, hey, I'm Sam Khan here with ESPN. And they'd say, you're not on the list. And they would not let him into Red River. So this is, you know, he's tried to get into this game. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, That's true. <laughs> I closed the velvet ropes on me. I, I just love that. Sam, you're it. finally worthy of going to Red River. Congratulations, man. I know. I'm so excited. I got my hotel. I'm driving up on Friday. Going to check out the fair a little bit on Friday night, uh, probably get there early on Saturday to take in all the ambiance as the teams come in and uh, get ready for a long, interesting day that should be a pretty good game, I think. There's really no such thing as getting there like too early in the morning, I feel like, on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. So what what time do you guys usually get there? Max, what time do you get there normally when you go? Oh, I don't know. Try, try, to, try, try to like do 738 or something like that. Ooh, you know, it's important to... It's important to get out there and drink the really cheap bad coffee and <laughs> the community coffee. And it's really important to to get that first corny dog in the system, you know, get get some mustard on it. That's that's the breakfast you have. Obviously the Rudy's in the press box is nice, but you got to at least start the day with a corny dog. Yeah, 100% you have to. It's it's mandatory. And then I I don't know about you Jason, uh, I I try to like you, you save like the fried Snickers for the post game. Like yeah, once you, once yeah. you're all done working, you go out there. Maybe you grab a drink, but I, I I go try and find that whether it's fried Snickers, fried Oreo, whatever. You 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 treat yourself at the end. And that's also when you get you know you get a beer as you're walking out. I feel like that's but don't. And, and then you walk the, out of there the, with a pocket full of tickets, and you always forget that you have all these extra tickets yeah. lying around at your house, and you never think to bring them the next year. You know. A couple of years ago, I I spent all my tickets that I still had on my way out on the saltwater taffy on just a a crap load of saltwater taffy. It lasted me for for a while. Yeah, I think you were with me when yeah. I did that. Yeah. So that's an option. That's an option. That's all. That's this is all good, valuable intel that I need. So are you guys gonna go try and do like the pecan lodge on Friday? I like doing that move too. You know, like trying getting something something good in Dallas Friday night. We haven't discussed full plans on Friday quite yet. I know Chris Vanini will also be at the game. So we still need to work out what we're going to do on Friday. But I, I, the only thing I want to make sure I do is go to the fair a little bit just to get a little preview on Friday night. Uh, but but Pecan Lodge is a really good uh, really good call. I certainly can't go wrong with getting some brisket there on Friday. Also like Terry Black's over there too. That, that area's got some good stuff. Um, I, I'm jealous. I mean, I, I am going to be in the great state of Texas uh, this weekend and can't wait to get back. But... I'm going to be going to College Station to watch um, the uh, the former top ten Texas A&M Aggies uh, take on uh, take on Alabama and see if they can mess around and keep it close against uh, you know the best best team in the country here. So I, that I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see Alabama up close. I imagine they've got some some pretty decent looking players. Um, so I'm excited to cover that one uh, and and be back in the state. But I will I will miss. Uh, palling around with you guys at the fair you know that that a and game looked a lot better three weeks ago than it does now sure did sure did at least max you'll get to see one of the two teams that we know are legit contenders in the country because that's <laughs> that's it. right yeah that's it. yeah i mean i don't know do you guys feel like uh i know texas already lost a game but you feel like the winner of red river is, is going to suddenly be I mean, for, for all the concerns people have had about Oklahoma up to this point, like whoever wins this game, is it just going to be like a crazy hype fest from here? Or is it, I mean, I don't know. What? Yeah. How, how do you think this game is going to sort of change the narrative a little bit? I, I feel like for Oklahoma, it's a it's a chance to really have an impressive win. They haven't, they haven't had a complete win yet this year. I mean, last week, Kansas State, the offense gets going a little bit. The defense <clears throat> struggles. So I still don't know what to make of this Oklahoma team. And then for Texas, they've looked like a different team since the Arkansas game, since making the quarterback change. 
Um, so I don't know. You know, does does Texas does a win over Oklahoma propel? Dare I say Texas back into the playoff conversation? I don't know that I don't for the time being. Yes, but I don't I wouldn't go that far because I don't. At least the loss is a quality loss at this point still. You know? it, it, yeah. it is. But now, I, they got Ole Miss this week. So we'll see if Arkansas loses that one. Then, you know, sort of they, they sort of drop out of the picture here a little bit. But they've got they've got to run the table the rest of the way in order yeah. to, to be that team. And, sure. and of course, win the Big 12 championship. And if they beat Oklahoma, clearly they're good enough. But I just don't know if I'm there with the depth yet on that roster to be able to do that. And like we said, it's it's hard to run the big the, the table in the Big 12. No team has done it since 2016. So, uh, they, they, but they're definitely if, if Texas wins on Saturday, they're definitely big legitimate Big 12 championship contenders. And I don't know that I would have pegged them as that coming into the season. I didn't peg them as that coming into the season. No, no, yeah. So no, me either. So as as you know, as you guys have probably gotten the hint by now, it's going to be a lot of Red River talk today. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Blinken Riley and Kyle Umlang, two statistical gurus that you may know from. The Twitterverse uh, on each side of the Red River rivalry. We'll talk to them later, but let's uh, let's dive into talking about this game, uh, Jason. I'll start with you. Oklahoma, you saw them in Kansas State last week. Uh, they got a win. The offense looked like it showed a few things. Did they did they find themselves enough in Manhattan to to make this uh, uh, make you confident that they're making progress on that side of the ball? Well, they they. They clearly were better. I mean, Kennedy Brooks got the ball, which I've been banging that drum for the entire season that he should be getting the ball more, and he got 15 carries. And lo and behold, they had their best offensive performance of the year. Um, I think that he's uh, he's essential to, to them. The offensive line played a lot better, I, I feel like. They, uh, they seem to have a little bit easier time. They still are way too penalized. That's Oklahoma is one of the most penalized teams in the country. That has been a consistent theme really throughout the Lincoln Riley era. So that's something that's going to have to get uh, shored up. But the problem was the defense, which really for Oklahoma had been their strength for the first four games and uh, they couldn't get off the field. And I think that's a real concern when you're playing against B. John Robinson, uh, the inability to get off the field on third and fourth down, that, that feels like that could be a real problem. Yeah, I, th- I thought that the I watched that game a lot. I watched all of, of Texas TCU pretty much. Um, I, there, there's just like a little stuff with the OU team where even when they kind of pull away and do things right, then like Malik Knowles takes that kickoff return to the house, and then all of a sudden it's like dramatic again and stuff. It's like there has to be some part of Lincoln that just sort of like rolls his eyes, like ah, when is this team gonna just sort of like really click and just run away from everybody? You know, well um, that that. That play was especially ridiculous because it only happened because of a really bad unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Right. That, that made it where Gabe Burkich couldn't put that ball in the end zone. That's I uh, I tweeted during that game that it reminded me of arrest development. Jay Walter Weatherman, like, and that's why you don't commit personal <laughs> fouls on scoring plays. Like, uh, so I mean, yeah, they they kind of can't get out of their own way. Yeah, and that's not to say I'm not saying they're not a good team. They really are, and they, they, they certainly that was like uh, you know I'm I'm sure that that every week Lincoln Riley is still just saying like you know this is this team's getting tougher. They're learning to win close games, all that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. There's there's little. I feel like we've seen just enough from Oklahoma and just enough from Texas to feel like to talk ourselves into like man, this game's going to be like incredibly competitive and a four quarter fight and. Come down to it, be as be as classic as all these games we've seen lately with, uh, you know, with Ellinger against the the Sooners and all that. Like, and not, I'm not sure if I'm totally there yet, but um, I don't know. I keep I keep waiting for OU to just sort of like start smoking people, and it hasn't quite happened yet. Maybe that's a testament to you know K State's better, West Virginia's better, you know, Nebraska is looking like they're better. Um, it it could be just a testament to who they've been playing lately, but. Um, you know, this is, uh, like it, it, it is where like, isn't it worth mentioning? Like last year's game was freaking insane, right? Like that's, and you know, in terms of recent red rivers, Jason, I mean, where, where did that one hold up in terms of with all the overtimes they played the Rattler deal? Like, I think, I mean, it, there's something about this rivalry that it kind of doesn't matter. They, they're still going to play a crazy game and that's how it seems like it's kind of been with, with Lincoln lately. Yeah. I mean, last year's game, is arguably the greatest one of the greatest red rivers ever. I, I think mean, so. Was, four overtimes. My God, we got, we got bonus red river. What more could we ask for? Right. Um, and, and, but you know, that also was the game last year where 
Oklahoma found itself. And from that point forward, they kind of crush people really the rest yes. of the way. Other than yeah. the Big 12 championship game was close with Iowa State. The Baylor game was kind of close. But really, they pretty well crushed people the rest of the way after they got the Red River game uh, under their belt. So maybe that happens again. Maybe this is what they've needed. But maybe it's also what Texas has needed because Texas – I always think about uh, the early 2000s when Mac Brown and Bob Stoops were sort of in their heyday and the game was always like a top 10 game. But there for a while, it was it was just sort of a given that OU was going to win for about four or five years in a row there. OU just was the tougher team. They came in better prepared, it felt like every year. But lately, I feel like Texas comes in just as ready to play this game, even when Texas is having a down year. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. It's It's been... A game that obviously they get up for, but the the level of, their level of play seems to raise even when they're not that great of a team. And uh, the the one thing that I'll be com- compelled by is uh, this team I think has raised its level of play in, in the last few weeks uh, ever since it's lost to Arkansas. And the question is is will this team with a first time starter quarterback Casey Thompson will they get caught up in some of the emotion? Bijan Robinson's a young guy; he played in this game last year, but only touched the ball seven times. So. Uh, are, are they going to get caught up in a little a little bit? Because and I was just talking to Derek Johnson, who, you know, former linebacker at Texas, this morning. He mentioned he goes when, when the first time when you ride that bus up there and you see the fans flicking you off and and everybody at the fair, it's serious. It's this is a different deal than everything else. And so some of these young guys that are key parts, Xavier Worthy on Texas, I'm curious if they're going to get a little overwhelmed by the moment, at least in the early going. So I, th- I thought some of those, like Sam, some of those those um, like drops and stuff they were having last week against TCU. It's some of that stuff where you're like, man, like they're 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 kind of re- reverting back to. Old. I mean, I know Xavier Worthy didn't play for Texas last year, but you see some of that kind of stuff where they're just like a little bit off, or they're they're, they're you know they're taking the right shots, but the passes are a little off, or they're dropping stuff. And you kind of were like, man, you know, you do wonder how much that shows up in this game. You know, is it just? Um, and, and, you know, we've seen these games with so many different coaches on both sides now. It always is about who's the more physical team. I mean, there's always – there's breaks and turnovers and all that kind of stuff. There's, you know, injuries. I'm not – you know, there's been all sorts of other things that have swung these games. But uh, it is about who's the more physical team. I, I'm curious, Sam, how do you see, like, the the Texas O-line against the OUD line? Because I think that's the one thing, especially in some, some of these more recent years. Like, I think since Grinch has got to Oklahoma – that's been a real challenge for Texas up front to to do what they want to do offensively um, against the way that that, that Grinch has has um, you know built a better front, but also done a really good job attacking and, and blitzing and, and making third downs confusing. That's going to be such a, a critical part of this because against Arkansas that that front struggled. You know they they were giving yeah. up pressure with yeah, three man yeah. fronts, but ever since then, boy, they've played really really well against Texas Tech. They were getting a hat on a hat. They were they were flawless against Texas Tech. Last week against TCU, paved the way for 272 yards, even with an injury. They lost Denzel Okafor at guard. He, he's out for the year. Uh, Andre Carrick plugged in at, at right tackle. They moved Derek Kerstetter over to guard, So and they didn't seem to miss too much of a beat. I mean, B. John Robinson was still able to find some holes, and uh, th- that's going to be the interesting thing, interesting thing is I think this Oklahoma front Jason, I'm sure you know as well as anybody, is a lot better than what Texas just saw against TCU. And I think that to me is the, like you said, Max, that's the matchup. And I think the question is, is B. John Robinson, who just came off that 216-yard game and carried them to victory against TCU, what does he look like against the Oklahoma defense? Jason, do you think this OU defense is ready for the challenge that comes with with a guy like B. John Robinson with that heavy workload? Well, uh, first of all, Sam, when you said it, I had forgotten. Bijan Robinson had seven touches in that game last year. That is insane. In a seven in a touches. in a six point four overtime loss. Well, and it, and it started just like in the most ridiculous way, where they're going with Ingram right after they lose the TCU game, and Ingram yeah. fumbles, I think, on their first drive, right? Yeah. And then they bench him. They can't play Ingram the rest of the game, but they still didn't get Bijan going either. So. Yeah. So that just is a bizarre thing to think about. If that if he'd had, you know, 10 more carries, maybe Texas wins that game. But anyway, that's a that's a different story. Um He's going to have more than 7 touches in the first quarter <laughs> this week, I can promise you. Well, that Here, here's one big difference from last week though. Like TCU through 4 games, um they're averaging only 4 TFLs a game. Like they're in terms of total TFLs, they're tied for second worst in the country. Um Oklahoma's doing double that per game. You know what I mean? They're doing eight, eight a game. So I, I am interested to see how 
it, not just in sacks, but like how disruptive they are. Like TCU did not, I think Bijan Robinson only had three carries of no gain or less against TCU out of 35 or whatever. Like I'm interested to see how much OU can sort of shake things up up front because TCU just really couldn't against Texas. And by the way, that's just bizarre to me. T- I, I think of if there's one thing I feel like I know about TCU every year, it's that their defensive front is going to be solid. So yeah. It's yeah. just sort of bizarre to to uh to think about that but but yeah the problem with oklahoma's defense really has been the inability to get off the field and it's been it's manifested itself a lot in the last three games but particularly against kansas state i mean OU only had two possessions in the first uh, uh what wait three possessions in the first half in in manhattan i mean that's that's unbelievable and uh so the offense isn't going to be able to get going the way that we're used to seeing if the defense can't get off the field kansas state converted i believe 12 of 20 third and fourth downs in that game i mean that's just the sort of thing isn't that three straight games now of people just really limiting possessions on oklahoma yes it's clearly part of their strategy and texas yeah. has the personnel to do that and so i'll be interested to see if uh if the defense can be better because the ou defensive front for as good as it's been this year they weren't very good last week in manhattan yeah if we got we so we got the matchup with Bijan and this defensive front uh, lots of different angles of this game, but one of the things we touched on a little bit earlier was how different Texas has looked since that loss to Arkansas. Max, I'm curious, what do you think, how big, how different this team is since they went to Fayetteville and got their butts kicked? Yeah, one thing that's funny, so we, we put out the first round of um, stop rate this week, um, and, you know, Jason, that's that's like the, it's like the never nudes, like, you know, there are dozens of us who believe in, in stop rate. Dozens! Um <laughs> So shout out to my stop rate believers. That's um, two Arrested Development references in the That's right. Part. We're loaded up. <laughs> um, and I, I was looking at this both offense and defense. And Texas is like kind of in an interesting spot here through through the schedule so far. Um, offensively, um, Texas is among Power 5 teams, number one in the country in points per drive on offense right now. Um, and... You know, if you looked at like if you if you flip stop rate and said, okay, what percentage of your drives are ending in points? Oklahoma and Texas are the top two offenses among the Power Five in terms of uh, you know scoring, um, uh, you know, on a high percentage of their drives. The weird thing with Texas is Texas is 101st in stop rate right now. Um, not very good. Oklahoma's 45th. I know Oklahoma. You know, one, you know, they have the kind of defense where they should be in the top 30 or so. I would think, but. Do we know what this Texas defense is going to do this week, Sam? Like, I think, I think, uh, you know, I think their defensive coordinator is very good. And I think he's going to, I'm fascinated to see, like, whenever he would play um, Leach in in the Apple Cup at the end of the year, they would always destroy Washington State (laughs) and completely shut them down. I'm not saying it's the same offense. It's obviously not. It's way different personnel and all that. But I'm, I'm interested to see what he brings to this rivalry. It's always interesting to have fresh blood and new coaches in this rivalry. No, no um, doubt. No doubt. I think, uh, to your point, <laughs> Lincoln Riley has evolved significantly from what Mike Leach did. Mike Leach is hard-headed sure. and for loves sure. to stick with what he does. And Lincoln has... I've, is Lincoln added a run game to a like, right. passing and game. Yeah. I think he's the epitome of trying to evolve it every year. But, no, that, that's a fascinating I, part. I think there'll be some wrinkles, but does, does Texas defensively... I think they've they've gained confidence in recent weeks. I think they did some good things against TCU, um, at least in terms of getting stops when they needed to. But do, do I mean can, is Texas giving up forty points in this game too? Possible, it's possible. <laughs> uh, again, I, I think when when the stop break came out, I didn't expect them to be that low. I, I certainly yeah. don't think they've been great, but I, I don't watch them and say they they're horrible. No, I don't not think at all, are. not at all, not at all, and. Uh, you know, I think Steve Sarkeesian talked about, obviously, they, they want to be strong in the red zone. And if, if that means they give up some yardage and they give up some long drive, if they can hold the three or they can get a turnover in the red zone, hey, they'll take that. And that's kind of where they are at this point. Th- their strength is in the defensive interior with Moro Ojimo and Keandre Coburn. They can do well there. I think the, the challenge is you look at last week, a guy like Zach Evans, he ate Luke Brockmeyer's lunch. You know, both both as a runner and as a blocker. And so is there somebody, you know, is, is a Jeremiah Hall or Braden Willis going to do that to Brockemeyer this week? Or how, how does Texas adjust oh, to yeah. that? R- Riley's going to pinpoint all your weaknesses and he's going to hit them. That's that's they're very, very good at that, especially in this game. And um, 
I don't know. It's it's funny. Like I remember I've I had these conversations with Tom Herman during his tenure where, you know, he would always like be he was always very obsessed with about playing very complimentary football, having a very good defense to to match up the offense. I pointed out to him like, look, you know, Oklahoma keeps winning the Big Twelve title, and they for many years up until they hired Grinch, they weren't playing very complimentary football, you know. And he was always like very resolutely like, we're never going to do it like that. Like he didn't believe that that was the way to win the Big Twelve. I, it seemed like Sark, I know Sark wants to build a good defense here, but I think they kind of are just leaning into, man, we can be really explosive on offense this year. Let's just do that and then just try to get enough stops to get away with it. Yeah, no doubt. I think I think that's probably the, the best way to go about it. And uh, ultimately, this team is with with the head, offensive head coach is going to be dictated by what they do on that side of the ball. And Sark's going to try to control it with the run game, with the RPOs, with the play action, and just hope you're t- until you can recruit at the level that he needs. And this current recruiting class, they've got eight guys uh, that are defensive linemen or edge rushers, which tells you where they feel like they are from a defensive standpoint. It's going to take time to build that up. I think the offensive stuff you can develop a little bit quicker. But, uh, but Jason, I, I want to talk to you a little bit. Lincoln Riley mentioned it yesterday. Uh, in his uh, discussion with the media that Red River rivalry is one of the key things that that made this job attractive to him. It's it's And we've got a first-time coach now with Steve Sarkeesian. What was Lincoln's acclimation like to this rivalry? And so and then to, to that point, what do you think we should expect from uh, a newbie and Steve Sarkeesian uh, entering this rivalry for the first time? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Lincoln Riley's first game in the Red River rivalry was not good. Um, OU, <laughs> and, and you know, it was his fault <laughs> in a lot of ways. They they lost 24-17 to to a pretty bad Texas team that I don't even think was bowl eligible that year, if, I, if memory serves me correctly. Um, I remember talking to someone after that game who said, because OU got on the roll after that, right? Yes. By running the ball. By running the ball, yes. Okay, I remember talking to someone after that game, and I guess Charlie Strong made a comment to someone being like, like, they've got, those two running backs are incredible. Like, they should just be running them all the time. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't understand why they didn't just run it run it down their throats in that game. And and he, yeah. but that's 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 what this game can do to you sometimes, is like, you, you have some of that, and certainly we saw it with the Mike Stoops deal. Like, sometimes you have that moment of truth in this game where you got to figure out, hey, here's what we need to be the rest of the way, you know? Yeah, in that game, OU had Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan and and uh, barely ran the ball. OU lost, and and I think Strong that, was like, "I would never lose if I had those two, Basically, like, because right. that duo was so good, you know. Right. Well, in the next week, they went to Kansas State and won fifty-five to nothing, and they've right. been carrying the ball. So I've always sort of assumed that Bob Stoops had a conversation with Lincoln Riley after that game. Like, uh, you got to get our running backs the ball. Um, and and really, ever since then, OU has run the ball incredibly well every year. They always seem to have solid running backs last year was a little bit weird because Stevenson was out for so long suspended but um but yeah I mean this is a fascinating it's always fascinating when a new coach takes over Tom Herman uh lost his first one lost most of his games against OU and it's probably part of why he's not the Texas at least part of why he's not the Texas head coach anymore and so um this is extremely important I will say I I looked it up um First-year coaches in this game are 19-17-5. and five. Um, But you don't re- can't really extrapolate too much from that. Barry Switzer, I believe – no, no, no. Yeah, I think Barry Switzer lost his first – no, he didn't. Sorry, Daryl Royal and Bob Stoops lost their first games in this one. So it, we can't really take too much out of it based on this, and I don't think we can judge Sark too harshly, but it is going to be interesting to see how he comes out and, and performs in his first time in the Cotton Bowl. Sam, from what you've seen so far, do you think – I mean, I know he's a veteran player and he's been waiting for this a long time. Do you think Casey Thompson's ready for this? I do. I do. We talked to him on Monday, uh, and obviously he's a focal point of this game because of his family history. His dad, Charles Thompson, of course, played quarterback at OU. You know, he's got deep Oklahoma ties from growing up there. It, 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 I think he's ready. He's mature. To me – the way he's handled every time he's been thrust into a game when he was thrust in the Alamo bowl at halftime, when Sam Ellinger was hurt, uh, thrown to the wolves. I mean, not necessarily thrown to the wolves, like really Hudson Carter was thrown to the wolves, but thrown in that tough situation at Arkansas when nothing was going their way. And he came and calmly led them downfield and got them two scoring drives when they couldn't all day. I, I, I don't think any of this is going to be too big for him. To me, he strikes me as a guy with some composure and poise. So, We've got that, and then we've, of course, got these two teams 
are uh, going to the SEC, as you might have heard uh, over this summer. We got Texas and Oklahoma there. Got this Big 12 game right now, the rivalry game in the Big 12, and they're going to take it with them in 2025 or sooner. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, Jason and Jason and I had a story this morning about the kind of the tight relationship. You know, the rivalry is very heated between the two. Texas and OU hate each other. Texas fans yell, OU sucks, and OU fans throw the horns down. But these two teams are really business partners at the end of the day. It's not just right now. This, this is something that dates back all the way to their time uh, forming the Big 12. You know, the lost odds and, and Donnie Duncan helped broker the Big 12. And we uh, we have now Joe Castiglione and Chris Del Conte are really close friends. We've known each other for two decades. Really close. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm curious, Max, what do you think of the nature of rivals being business partners, so to speak, when it comes to stuff like realignment? Yeah, I mean, you think back to, you know, again, like you think of, <laughs> you think about those two putting putting their logos together on a letterhead here this summer and saying, "Here we go, we're going to the SEC together." I mean, it's 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 it is starting to think cuz you think about this game. Obviously, these fan bases hate each other. They love to bicker with each other, you know, all year long on Twitter and all that. Uh, but now they're yeah now they're in it together you know and, and especially against <laughs> against this Big Twelve now I mean every, you know they have they are the pariah of the conference now in in, in a lot of ways until they leave and um, you know there's still a lot of hurt feelings um, in the in the Big Twelve about about what they're doing the move they're making um, even as the Big Twelve gets its own act together but yeah it's I I've that dynamic of like I'm not surprised that that Joe Castiglione and, and Chris Del Conte are as close as they are. Um, you know, I, I thought what what was the the bit about what they call each other? Yeah, that I thought was, that was good. Yeah, that was from Sam. Uh, got that from Chris Delcani. They're what do they call each other? The Godfather and the Don. Yeah, yeah. CDC said that Castiglione calls himself the Godfather, and and CDC <laughs> is the Don. And uh, they 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 like to joke about they're they're two of the very few Italian athletic directors in college athletics. So uh, that there's, there's a, there's a lot of that yucking it up going on between those two. There, uh, there, there's a period of time here where they're in this, in this together. And I, I do wonder how that these dynamics will evolve once they're in the sec together too. You know, I mean, is it, is it still pretty locked arms as you go through this? I mean, obviously you'll still be, I don't know if it'll be divisions or pods or whatever. You're still going to be pretty, pretty in pretty close proximity here, no matter what schedules you're playing and stuff. But um, I do wonder how how this will continue to evolve, but certainly, I think we all found out this summer that they're a lot closer. I, that people probably have just sort of this automatic assumption about the Big Twelve that OU and Texas are always clashing over things, and someone has to be sitting in the you know executive chair here, or like there that that there's there's always these power struggles between these kind of programs, and that's that's really not the case right now, at least with in terms of the current leadership, and and even with. Um, you know, even with the presidents now too, having to go through this transition together, I, I, I they've certainly come come very close together, and uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that relationship keeps evolving. But you know, now they're now they're in it together, and it's um, probably gonna, until they get out of the Big Twelve. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're working on that together right now too, just figuring out the exit strategy, yeah. when that's going to happen, what they're what what how they how they negotiate that because I can't see one of them leaving the big 12 without the other too. So it's, it's fascinating how they're um, it, they're all tangled up now. I thought Sam, one of the more interesting comments that, that you got from, from CDC was when he was talking about how, you know, playing Arkansas was, was great to sort of renew that rivalry. Uh, we've gone a long time without playing Texas A&M. I can't imagine us going that long basically without playing Oklahoma. And it sort of was interesting, a, a little, perhaps a little, uh, little dig at Texas A&M there, but I thought it was sort of interesting that uh, what this game means to both teams, what this relationship means to both schools, it's a lot deeper than I think most people realize. It is, and I can promise you that that, that, that relationship does not exist between Texas and Texas A&M. Uh, and Del Conte comes from a position nor, nor where... Nor will it when Texas turns the SEC. Nope, yeah. nope. Yeah. And, and Del Conte comes from a position where I think he wants to play that game. A&M, I think, has made it clear that it doesn't want to, but obviously it's going to be a moot point because they're going to share a conference here pretty shortly. So uh, it is it is unfortunate because I was at I was at in Fayetteville for that game and it was absolutely electric. Like I've long been a proponent that I think Texas Texas A&M should continue to play each other, and and I'm glad that they will once they once they're SEC mates. But 
I think it's important that they preserve Texas, Oklahoma, and I'm glad that it's still going to happen because I think it's necessary. It's just part of the fabric of college football. And it's a fun game. And we're talking about it. We're spending all this this episode talking about it. It is a fun game with so many emotions and momentum swings and all that stuff. So uh, I'm glad it's happening. The, the interesting thing is Max, uh, I mean, Jason, Max touched on it just a minute ago. The, the, Josie said, and it definitely stuck out to me, he goes, we don't vote on everything the same way. And yes, they're going to work together as they precipitate their exit from the Big 12, but they're also it doesn't mean they're going to do every single thing together from here on out. Yeah. I, I thought that was, that was, he, he really seemed to want that point out there that, that, you know, just because we're friends, just because uh, we're aligned on some things doesn't mean we're aligned on everything. He didn't give specifics about what those things are uh, naturally, but, uh, but I did think that was an int- It was interesting to me that he, he wanted to make that point. That wasn't really even in response to a question. He wanted to sort of make that point. <laughs> hey, we don't, we're not just in lockstep on everything here. Yeah. There's probably still a sensitivity of like, I- I'm sure folks that I'm sure Joe C and his president don't want there to be some perception that, yeah, we'll do what Texas tells us to do. You know? <laughs> right. right. I, I think that's because I hear that. I mean, I hear that from people around the Big 12 who were over the summer who were really frustrated about all this and venting and stuff who sort of like made this assumption that Texas is the one that wanted to go to the SEC and dragged Oklahoma along with them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I, I certainly don't think that they want people. And again, that's just people speculating and venting and stuff like that. And I don't think that's true. But, um, you know, there's there's always that stuff's always going to be connected of people you know, sort of wondering like, well, who's, who's the boss of who here a little bit, you know? That's funny. It's a lot, a lot of feelings to be massaged, both between the fan bases of these two schools and around the big 12. And of course there'll be some feelings to massage in the sec because this is two big brands coming in the conference. But, uh, that's a good good talk about this. Uh, we're we're going to get a little bit more Red River talk here uh, and introduce a couple unique guests. Uh, some people that you may know from Twitter. If you if you follow Texas, if you follow Texas A&M, Blinken, Riley, and Kyle Umlang. Two guys, you see them drop stats and, and crack some jokes. And we're going to pick their brains about the rivalry here for a few minutes. And now we're thrilled to welcome some guests onto One True Pod. And we're going in a little bit different direction this week. For Red River Week, instead of inviting a coach or a player like we've done many a time this season, we're going to bring on a couple of guys you may know from the Twitter sphere. We welcome in Blinken Riley and Kyle Umlang, co-hosts of the podcast Statistically Speaking, a college football podcast focused on advanced stats. They're also pretty active on Twitter. If you follow the Longhorns or Sooners, you can usually find them posting, posting interesting stats about those teams and many more in college football. But we're excited to bring them into One True Pod. Guys, how are you guys doing? Kyle, I'll start with you. How are you doing tonight? Fantastic. I don't know if you saw Twitter today, but there's a brand new uh, Aggie video up from their Midnight Yell from before the Mississippi State game. So it's it's, it's a great day. <laughs> Blinken, how are you? I am doing well. It's, it's my favorite week of the year, so uh, I'm doing really well. Good deal, good deal, guys. Well, we're we're thrilled to have you both, um, Blinken. I've I'm, I've talked to you a lot more on uh, on Twitter. I feel like through the years, just because I cover OU, but gotten to recently kind of become more acquainted with Kyle, and it's really good to to have you guys on the show. And I guess to start off, I'll just have each of you. How did you guys get into this? Where where you guys are have become sort of uh, in many ways the chief instigator on on either side of the Red River rivalry, Blinken. I'll start with you. Uh, so. Uh, years ago, a few years ago, I was I was actually working from home. I was on I was working contract work, and uh, it was one of those days where I didn't have a whole lot to do, and I got bored. And so I decided I'm going to make a whole new Twitter account that is just just my Oklahoma football stuff, right? Um, and so, you know, I start following a bunch of people and. Um, my thing is statistics. I come from an engineering background. My job, my actual day job uh, deals with um, statistics and metrics uh, and sports statistics, especially um, are something I love to find little, you know, I love to find those little nuggets, those little things that um, when you hear it, you know, your, your eyebrows kind of scrunch up and go, what in the world? I love those little, those little types of tidbits. And so, you know, one day I just started, I just started tweeting out a couple and, um, you know, 
they just the ball just started rolling from there. And as you know, Twitter is an endless supply of people saying dumb things. So um, that that is that that is never in shortage. Uh, there's always somebody to dunk on on Twitter. So that's how that's and it's just grown from there since I, I think that was summer of 2017. And you know, it's just grown from there. And I, it's opened up so many opportunities. I've gotten to do all kinds of things like this and I've gotten to do radio and, you know, I've gotten to um, meet so many new people and it's just been a great experience. Kyle. Yeah. um, Mine's kind of, kind of similar, kind of different. So I uh, just graduated from grad school, getting my master's in uh, data science. And part of one of my classes was I had to, to get into like Tableau. It was an information uh, viz uh, class. So I started getting on into Tableau and I was making just random graphs and charts about random stuff. And someone's like, you should get on Twitter because there's a whole community out there of data people that like that kind of stuff and will share your stuff and give you tips and stuff. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I started posting my stuff on Twitter. I, I had to find my, my login because I hadn't used it in like five years. So I logged in, started posting stuff. It got a few likes, nothing, nothing really crazy. And I did this, this college football one comparing A&M and Texas is like full history. And it's like, I went to bed and it blew up overnight somehow. Sam Ellinger retweeted it. And just, I woke up with like 500 new followers. And it, it, from there I was like, okay, only college football stuff from now on. No one cares about uh, the death rate of cats in Asia. Uh, so I'm going to start doing college football stuff only. And then, yeah, it's just blown up since then. And um I met Blinken, who's like the 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 yin to my yang, I guess, since he's like the opposite. Uh, so it's it's been a lot of fun getting to know him and the whole Oklahoma uh, community. Uh, a lot of them have embraced me with open arms, except for this week. Uh, so yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's, it seems like you guys have pretty civil interactions with the other side, a decent amount, which kind of surprised me a little bit when I see it. <laughs> I think it, what it, I think a lot of it is kind of a mutually assured destruction type thing. Like <laughs> if we both just kind of let loose, I'm not sure there would be anything left of Twitter afterwards. <laughs> yeah, we, we keep it civil for y'all, for, for everyone else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, let's get to the meat of why you guys are here because I wanted to give, I wanted to, I, I wanted to hear kind of what you guys have. I'm, I'm sure that, You've been uh, researching and looking stuff up all week and, and tweeting all week and stuff, but uh, I kind of wanted to just give you guys the floor for, for a little while and see what, what uh, for, for lack of a better word, what kind of shit you guys have to talk to each other <laughs> about, OU, about OU Texas week. Um, okay, yeah. I, I guess we, we just go back and forth, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Oklahoma's uh, first, second, third string running backs, not bad. Uh, they got 588 rushing yards, six touchdowns. Bijan Robinson, 652 rushing yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, hashtag uh, running back you, apparently, this year. <laughs> yeah, that, your last decent running back was uh, he actually was a Heisman winner. And that, that week that he was awarded the Heisman, Savage Garden had a number one hit. <laughs> I'm 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 actually offended by the Deontay Foreman erasure in that in that comment. <laughs> I I I did not expect Savage Garden to come up tonight. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, <laughs> but we'll, I love we'll keep it on running backs. Uh, Doak Walker winners, Texas four, Oklahoma zero. Bijan will be the fifth, guaranteed. You know, since taking over the offense in 2015, Lincoln Riley's produced as many thousand-yard rushers as Texas has had in the last 20 years. Wow, that's a pretty good one. That's pretty impressive. That's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> um, in Lincoln Riley's lifetime, Oklahoma has the same number of national championships as Texas. <laughs> um, nobody on, obviously, the team, nobody on the coaching staff, not the athletic director and not the president of the university have seen a winning record from the Longhorns in the Red River shootout during their lifetime. <laughs> we need to find an older AD, I guess. Uh, more viewers have seen Oklahoma lose in the college football playoffs than the series finale of Seinfeld. 
Wow. That's a, that's a, which was about 76, 74 million. Not bad. (laughs) We we don't need to bring up the series finale of Seinfeld. (laughs) Cause I love Seinfeld, but that's not a great series. finale. (laughs) No, I've actually never really been that impressed with any shows, series finales. Like whenever they're done, I'm like, really, this is it. I I spent eight years for this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The only one in my lifetime that I can think of, we're getting way off topic here. With <laughs> I, 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 th- I thought Veep ended really strong, but that's about the only one. Yeah, that one's actually pretty good. I like that show a lot. I don't remember whose turn it is. So, yeah. I, oh, I'm, I am, I'm ready. I'm ready for this one. Uh, Texas from 2010 to 2020 had a blue chip ratio of 65.3% and a winning percentage of 56.5%. Texas is the only... FBS school with a lower winning percentage than their blue chip ratio during that time. Ouch. Hey, uh, blame one man. Actually, no, you blame, blame two guys for that. Uh, y'all know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, Peter Gardier is the only starting quarterback on either side of the Red River rivalry in the 20, 120 plus year history of the series to have won four consecutive games against the other team. He led unranked Texas to four straight upsets of ranked Oklahoma, number four, 15, number six, and number 16, Oklahoma. Um, he's, he's such a badass. He once beat number six, Oklahoma, without scoring a single touchdown. Peter Gardier. That's another I did not expect a Peter Gardier reference. <laughs> he, he, he's a legend. He's really, he's really all we have uh, in the last, <laughs> last uh, couple decades. Well, if we want to talk about streaks, how about Oklahoma's current streak of six year, straight years in the top ten, finished t- in the top ten? Um, the last time Texas has done that was never. <laughs> so, just just to be clear, uh, uh, Blink and Riley's working with like a, a Pokedex of like eight hundred Pokemon, and I've got the original one fifty to work with. Just FYI. <laughs> um. Let's see. We got any more? Um, two more if you got them. Let's go two more okay. if you got them. Uh, no team has lost more BCS or NY6 bowls than Oklahoma. Even if you broke it out by most BCS bowl losses or most New York Six bowl losses, no team has lost more than either of either than the Sooners. Notre Dame's catching up, FYI. So <laughs> offensively, Texas's most efficient season was in 1993 when they, they gained 7.4 yards per play. Oklahoma has maintained 7.8 yards per play since the beginning of 2015. That's pretty good. That's That's not bad. <laughs> um, so it's been so lopsided lately. I only have one last one and it's on it's for Oklahoma. Uh, strangely enough, um, Texas, uh, win percentage from 1936 to present, which is when they started doing AP rankings. Uh, when Texas and OU are both ranked, Texas has a 43% win percentage. When OU is ranked higher than Texas, Texas has a 29% win percentage. And when they play on October 9th, Texas has a 36% win percentage. Wow. Wow. So I think we know how this weekend's going then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll end on, on not, not one that's too damaging and one that's about this week uh, in specifically. Um, and I think is kind of surprising when I found it. Uh, Texas has allowed the fifth highest percentage of drives ending in scores among power five. Oklahoma has the highest percentage of drives offensively ending in scores in the power five. Uh, that was pretty interesting. I never would have guessed the Oklahoma part of that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's very interesting. Out of all power five, that's, that's nuts. I wouldn't have guessed that either. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that either. Well, it uh, helps when you, it helps when you got a kicker that can kick from the opposite 30. <laughs> yeah. It, it, this week, this weekend better not come down to a, a kick by OU. Well, yeah, Burks has proven to be pretty clutch, um, mm-hmm. n- no doubt about it. All right, now I want to I want to f- try to forge a little piece here because um, 
I know that there's one thing you guys can't agree on, and it's Texas A&M uh, hatred. So I'm going to give each of you guys an opportunity if you want to spout off some, some Aggie facts. I'm sure you have some queued up. Yep, always. <laughs> they, they, they just like circulate in my mind. Uh, they, they come so easily. Um, <laughs> they're really fun to, to think of. Um, at their current win percentage rate, Oklahoma and Texas are due to arrive at the 1,000 win mark sometime during the 2029 season. A&M will arrive sometime in 2052. Wow. That's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so I like um, going through lists of thing of teams that have done something more times than Texas A&M because the list is always long and hilarious. Um, these are the teams, college football teams, with as many or more weeks in the top five as Texas A&M in the last 50 years. Oklahoma, Ohio State, Alabama, Florida State, USC, Miami, Nebraska, Florida, Penn State, Notre Dame, Texas, Michigan, Georgia, Clemson, LSU, Auburn, Oregon, Colorado, Washington, Tennessee, Pitt, Arizona State, UCLA, TCU, BYU, Utah, SMU, Stanford, Arkansas, Michigan State, Boise State. How long is this Houston, list? <laughs> and Missouri. Wow. I did not realize you were going to keep going that long. That is that is pretty impressive. Uh, let's see. Um, no college football recruit has seen Oklahoma win a national championship in their lifetime. No college football recruit's parent uncle, aunt, sibling, cousin, in-law, pastor, teacher, coworker, peer, neighbor, et cetera. I've seen A&M win a national championship in their lifetime. <laughs> I like pastor. <laughs> you got to throw in a pastor. Uh, one more for me. Texas A&M has lost six or more games in a season eight times since 2000. Oklahoma has lost six or more games seven times in their entire history. Wow. All right, Kyle, close it out. Last one. Um, uh, Texas A&M has more yell leaders than they have national championships, SEC championships, and that's it. Um, they only have, they only have five yell leaders. Well, they, what, what, they only had one big 12 championship. Oh, wait, no, no, it was, yeah, it's national championships, SEC uh, championships and big 12 championships. They only have five yell leaders. Wow. That's good stuff. So before we go, one thing I want to get from each of you is a prediction on this weekend. Obviously I have a feeling I know which, which team each of you will pick, <laughs> but more, more importantly, I'm curious what you think the winning margin will be, how, how it will end up going. By the way, Oklahoma is a three and a half point favorite over Texas going into the game. Uh, Kyle, I'll start with you. How do you think this one goes on Saturday? Yeah. Um, so the last uh, seven games have been decided by a score. This year is going to be no different. I, I believe, uh, you know, the Vegas is saying three points. I, I, I definitely could see coming down to a field goal at the end. Hopefully it's us kicking it and not Oklahoma. Um, but I was, I, I would say like, if I had to guess like 39, 36, Texas, somewhere around there. Interesting. Blinken, what do you think? Uh, yeah, so Vegas has a three and a half. Um, Bill Connolly's SP Plus has this game as actually a seven and a half point favorite for Oklahoma. I don't think that's I I, I don't think it's going to be that way. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. Um, give me like an Oklahoma win, like thirty one twenty eight. So close games all around. Everybody going with a field goal game. So. Yeah. Guys, it's fun. Uh, we appreciate you coming on to One True Pod. I appreciate you spending some time and dropping some facts for us. And uh, good luck with your teams this weekend. Enjoy the Red River game. And uh, good luck with your podcast. Again, Kyle Umlang and Blinken Riley, hosts of the Statistically Speaking podcast. Guys, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, guys, time to go to the picks. Uh, it's that time of week where we – me and Jason uh, relish what we've done in the picks and then we make fun of Max. But last week, it didn't really work out like that because Max went into a little bit of a different strategy. 
a little bit Costanzine, and I looked at the end of the weekend, and it worked out pretty well. Uh, Somebody went five and zero on their Big Twelve picks last week by doing the opposite of what they thought was going to happen. And you know, look, I, I think I just gotta gotta keep it going here. I think you gotta ride it. I think you gotta roll. We're, get, with we're getting this back strategy. on the road here. You know, it feels good. It's strategy. I think you gotta go with strategy. Of course, we're picking against the spread. Here's the standings right now. I am first, twenty three and seventeen. Jason's twenty two and eighteen, and Max sixteen and fourteen. But a strong week. He was ten and twenty one last week. So. Picked up quite a bit of ground here, so let's start off with the big game. Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma, a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Longhorns. Max, I'll start with you. I think uh, I, hmm, I, don't know, I don't know how to word this the right way. I, I am going to go against my belief here, and I'm going to take OU to cover. I don't think Texas will win outright. I don't, but I think three and a half is like just one of those numbers where I, I kind of feel like this is a field goal kind of game, you know. And certainly last year they, you know, they, they go to they go to all those overtimes. I'm not saying it's gonna be the same as last year, but I do think I don't know. I think I've talked myself into this being a very competitive game. I could see OU pulling away. I could see Texas just sort of. I mean, we've seen it now in that Arkansas game. I could see Texas just sort of struggling in that big that big pressure stage there to kind of. Put it all together. It's still a, it's a very good coaching staff, but it's still first year for all of everybody with this. And you know, I think Texas is still as much as we maybe want to have some doubts about Oklahoma. You, you watch the TCU game, and I feel like Texas is still kind of in that point where a lot of stuff still has to go right for Texas to win these games. You know, I, like they they still have to really t- you know like they can't can't mess around and just luck into beating you know Oklahoma this week. So. Um, I, I do wonder if it'll be a little bit sloppier from Texas and, um, we'll see. I'm not, I'm not so, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Texas found a way to win this game. Um, I, I actually would take Texas plus three and a half, but so I'm, I'm going to go with OU on this. I, clearly you, you can hear my voice. I'm, I'm a little conflicted on this one. I, I don't feel very strongly about just, I don't know. I feel, I know it's October, but I feel like we still just don't totally know enough about each team in some ways. Yeah, I totally agree. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I've really gone back and forth on this one because given OU struggles, uh, you know, getting off the field, I could see Texas having a lot of success. I'm going to go with OU minus three and a half. I do think they win the game and, uh, and I think they'll win it by more than that, but I did not, this, this wasn't an easy one. Yeah, I agree with you guys. It's hard to pick. I think the, the biggest struggle I have is with Oklahoma because they're undefeated. They've won every game, but they've won four of those games by one score, essentially. Yeah. And and it's it's difficult for me to tell is when they play this team that's that's comparable in talent level, what's it going to be? Whereas Texas got its butt kicked against Arkansas, but has been surging ever since and has played a different brand of ball. Well, and, and Tulane and K-State shouldn't have been close margins at the end. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, so there's, there's kind of that from the, from that cover standpoint, there, it is a little bit worrisome that, you know, do they let Texas score some points there at the end and, and, yeah. and blow the cover too? You know? I, I think Texas is going to cover just what they've done offensively and where they're going with Bijan. Uh, I think, I think they're going to score enough points to keep this at least within a field goal, but I, I could really see it going either way. So I think it's definitely a tough one. Let's go to the next one. West Virginia at Baylor. We got West Virginia coming off that loss at home to Texas Tech last week. Baylor, of course, coming off its first loss of the season at Oklahoma State. Baylor is a three-point favorite at home. Jason, I'll start with you. What do you think West Virginia and Baylor? I just don't get the Big 12, okay? <laughs> I just don't get it. West Virginia comes to Norman and almost wins, and I think, okay, they're pretty good, and they beat Virginia Tech. I think they're pretty good. Then they go and lose at home to a Texas Tech team that's coming off getting crushed by Texas, so is Texas Tech better than, than we thought they were? Is West Virginia worse than they thought they were? I don't know what to make of any of this. I'm going to go with Baylor, but I don't really know why, honestly. <laughs> I'm going to go with Baylor. Okay. I, I want to take Baylor covering the 3-2, so I have to stick to my system here and I guess go West Virginia plus 3. Don't I, I don't know if that's the right move here because I think Baylor's, Baylor's pretty good. And they you know they, they I think the four-quarter – fight with Oklahoma state, I thought was, you know, you didn't win it. Um, and, and you wouldn't say that that game went, you know, how you wanted in a bunch of ways, but they still were, they still were pretty close to Oklahoma state. They really were, I thought. So, um, just couldn't, could, you know, couldn't, couldn't score some points earlier. So, um, 
I'm going to go West Virginia plus three, but just because I'm just because I'm still doing the opposite of what I think here. Yeah, I I think this one's tough for me too. Baylor really ran into a brick wall in Stillwater. They, it was the first time I think their offensive line and their run game really struggled for an extended period. Like I know I know Iowa State they had her ups and downs, but they got shut down in the first half against West Virginia. It, it was it was really stunning to see, and I think this is such a big game for Dave Aranda because how his team responds coming off of this. This is a different team than it was a year ago, a different mentality. I'm curious to see how they respond. And West Virginia, like you said, it, it was an ugly game. They started out in a 17-0 hole against Tech. They came all the way back, tied it, had a chance at the end, wasn't able to get it done. I'm going to take Baylor to cover the three. I, I'm going to say that I just the defense, I think the run game will get back. I think West Virginia's got a pretty solid defense. But I, I'm going to say that Bohannon and and – Tristan Ebner and, and Abram Smith get it get it going again, and it's a home game, so I'll take Baylor to cover the three. Next one, last Big 12 game, only three Big 12 games this week. We've got TCU at Texas Tech. TCU, of course, coming off that loss to Texas. Texas Tech, as we mentioned, one on the road at West Virginia. Uh, it's a little interesting uh, relationship here. Sonny Cumbie, the offense coordinator at Texas Tech, spent some time, seven years at TCU under Gary Patterson, so there'll be some familiarity there. Max, I'll start with you. We've got uh, TCU is a one and a half point favorite in Lubbock Saturday night at the Jones. What do you think? I mean, I was I was really pumping TCU this year. I really was. Me too. Me too, we, brother. I think, I think we were really. I think we, we were really buying. Yeah. And they've got this stretch now where they've got SMU, Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and oh boy, I don't know. Like I. I like this is the week when they gotta they gotta they gotta figure it out. I think, especially like I mean, you lose this game. This is kind of, I feel like this is kind of one of those games where once again this year it turns into like okay, how do we get to six? You know, it's going to be kind of a closer call now. You know, if you don't win this one, so um, I TCU. This is the week, guys. Like, don't you know? Prove me right, please, by actually actually figuring it out. So I'm going to go Texas Tech plus one and a half. I think TCU will will show up, and I think this will be, I think this it's time for a, a you know a, a, a statement kind of game from TCU. But again, I have to stick to the thing that's saving my season. So I'll go Texas Tech plus one and a half. Um, don't feel very good about it because I think this is one of those really critical weeks um, where you know I maybe they should give Zach Evans the ball more, Sam. Maybe, maybe, maybe. just a little bit. Uh, you, I know touches. you want to. I know you want to. Like his pro career is important, and uh, you know, certainly if they can get four or five years out of Zach Evans, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> They're not but getting four or five years out of Zach Evans, my man. Case. I think Zach Evans might go pro after next year. That's yeah, just my opinion. So I think so. It might be time to give him the ball. Jason, what do you think? I'm going to go with Texas Tech again. I don't really know if I have a great explanation of why, because I don't understand this conference, but um, I just like Texas tech at home and I haven't been impressed with TCU and I like max was pumping them up quite a bit in the preseason and uh, they've been pretty disappointing. So I'll go with, I'll go with the red Raiders at home. I'm going to take Texas tech too. I'm not, I don't feel great about it because tech has had some up and down moments. Well, we're all uh, going tech, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's mm. I I can't I can't in good faith take TCU until they do a couple of things. One, give the ball to Zach Evans more, as we mentioned, and number two, stop the run. They've given up 622 yards in the run game the last two weeks. So Roderick Thompson starting to get healthy. He looked pretty solid last week against West Virginia. Uh, I I have a feeling that if if they can't get those two things fixed, I can't in good faith pick them to win. So. I'm going to take Bijan running for 90 in that fourth quarter was, and I know they put a lot on him to, to, to save the game and all that stuff. Texas did. Um, and apparently shame on them, according to Gary Patterson. But yes, um, you know, I think that kind of like, man, that was, you know, I think that people know now, like if you, it, we'll see if can Texas tech get that kind of run game going, but they, they certainly were able to over time kind of wear out TCU a little bit with the run. Yeah, and as and SMU the, did. The thing is, is that they were able. Texas was able to do it when everybody in the building knew that's what they were going to do. Yeah, they three first yeah. downs that they ran it seven straight times to B. John Robinson, and he carried them. Uh, it, it carried about. Four he got TCU all of their defenders. first downs in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, it, it it was impressive. And so until TCU can fix the run game, uh, I can't. I can't a good faith take them. And if they, if if Gary Patterson gives Zach Evans the ball twenty two times this week, then I think TCU will win. But he hasn't shown me. He's only done that once this year, and that was against Cal. 
Uh, the last two weeks, they have not done that. So until he does that, I can't pick TCU. So I'm going to take Texas Tech to cover. Um, let's get close to wrapping it up here. We're going to go with our future Big 12 members. Four games uh, for the four new members. We've got the Thursday nighter. Houston at Tulane, a short week both for both schools. Houston is a six-point favorite coming off a 45-10 win over Tulsa. Uh, Max, I'll start with you. Cougs and, and Green Wave, what do you think? Uh, I, I guess, I guess Houston, I don't, I don't know. I was kind of, that, that was an interesting performance by Houston last week. I mean, definitely a little bit eye opening in terms of how they put it on Tulsa right away in that one. Um, so I think I'll take Houston this week and, uh, curious to see if they're starting to kind of, uh, you know, put it all together. Jason. And and, ju- and just to be clear, Max, you're not doing the opposite on. No, I went one and three on the other on, okay. on the future Big Twelve schools last week. So <laughs> we're going to try and course correct here a little bit more. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going with Houston because after the season opener, when I saw Tulane very nearly beat OU on its home field, I really thought Tulane was going to be one of the best uh, G5 schools. I really thought they could they could make a run like that, and they have not done that since. So. Um, the only their only win since that game was Morgan State, so I'm gonna have to go with Houston. I really wanted to pick Tulane, but they got handled at East Carolina last week, and that bothers me. Uh, and Houston looked really sharp. D- that defense, uh, Doug Belk has those guys playing really fast, really physical. Offensively, I think Clayton Tune looked the best he has uh, all season long, uh, and he's starting to get healthy. Uh, so they're four and one. I think. Houston makes it five in a row. I'm going to say they cover the six on the road at Tulane. Uh, next up, we've got Temple at Cincinnati. The Bearcats, who are carrying the flag for the current and future Big 12 after the top 10 win at Notre Dame. Cincinnati at home, a 29.5 point favorite over Temple. Uh, what do y'all think? Uh, Jason, I'll start with you. Oh, I think I'm going to go with Cincinnati to cover. I mean, gosh, they they're impressive. I mean, what a what a what a statement win uh, at Notre Dame last week, and um, great great for the future Big Twelve. Great for the group of five right now. Um, I think that it's pretty clear now that they they could make a legit run at the playoff this year. Um, so I'll, I'll go with Cincy. Max, um, twenty nine and a half might be too many points. Um, my overall take on Cincinnati is put them in the playoff cowards. Do yes. It. Put them in, you. put them in. Um, I, I'll take Cincy to cover 29 and a half. Um, but that I don't, I, you think that's too much, Sam? It's a lot. It's certainly a lot. Uh, and it's, it's, it's at home. It's coming off of, uh, it's Friday night. Physical game. It's coming yeah. off a physical game and short week, physical game. game. Yeah. Short week. Yeah, I I think it's a lot of points, but you know what? They need to style points. I think they need to style points on this part of the schedule as they hit it. So I'm going to take Cincinnati to cover. Uh, I think Luke Fickle knows what he's up against here. They're going to have to put it on him. The the the, the question is, is they they need blowouts for sort of part of their resume narrative yep. and all that. Yeah, without yeah, question. But I, so I'm going to take them to cover. Okay, let's go East Carolina at UCF. We just mentioned East Carolina coming off. Uh, Double-digit win over Tulane and UCF, 10-point favorite at home. Max, what do you think? Uh, I I don't know. (laughs) 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 I I suppose I'll take the Knights, but, I mean, yeah, don't feel very good about this one. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I'm gonna go with UCF as well, and and it's a little tough because I, I don't, I, I maybe don't feel great about it either <laughs> because of because ECU is coming off an impressive win, but uh, I'll, I'll go with UCF. I'm gonna stick with it. I'll go with UCF. I'm I'm gonna go with ECU just because I'm a little little troubled by the loss. UCS lost to Navy last week. Yeah, uh, that was one. I think we all got that one wrong last week. Uh, they are at home, which will help, but I'm gonna say e- ECU covers the ten. So I'll take ECU to cover, but I think UCF will probably end up, a good pick. We'll yeah. end up winning. Yeah. And the last one of the group, this will be this should be a fun one. Boise State at BYU. BYU, of course, is rolling. They are a five and a half point favorite. Jason, what do you think? 
Give me Boise State. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for the upset on this one. Um, I, I think you know Boise State lost a close game to Oklahoma State. They lost to a to a Nevada team that that I don't think is is too bad. I'm gonna go with Boise State. You guys, Max, what do you think? Hmm. I'll take BYU to cover the five and a half. Um, you know, certainly. Yeah, this is we're we're gonna get. I mean, we're this is gonna be a, a very interesting stretch here for BYU to to sort of see. Can they maintain just the intensity and the emotion they're playing with here in, in September um, to win some really big time games? Can, can they, I, I don't really care. I mean, I don't mean in terms of covering, I just mean in terms of, can you kind of keep this run rolling here, you know? And uh, I feel, I, I think, I think BYU's got this certainly we've, yeah, you're right, Jason, we've seen it from Boise state. They can play with good teams um, and, and they had every chance to beat a good UCF team there at the start of the season too. So um, I'm going to go BYU. And, and I think that even if Boise's lost three games now, I, I do think this would still be a pretty, a pretty solid win here in terms of, uh, continuing to kind of uh, prove their legitimacy. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to go with BYU. I think like, uh, Cincinnati, this, this is, you got to build your resume up and win some of these games convincingly. This is one they should, and they've got a tough stretch coming up after that. They got to go at, go to Baylor. They got to go to Washington state, uh, They've got they've got a really interesting schedule down the stretch, but I think BYU covers covers the points here, and uh, and keeps it going. They go to six and zero. So fun week, guys. We got Red River, we got the fair. Max, you got Texas A&M, Alabama. It's uh, all kinds of stuff going on. It's uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. So uh, thanks, guys, for joining. Thanks to you as always for listening. And we're here every Thursday in the Andy Staple Show and Friends feed. So if you haven't already. Please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also find our stores on The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can sign up with our latest promotional offer at theathletic.com slash one true pod. You'll get comprehensive coverage of this Big 12 season and the future of the conference. So now is a great time to sign up. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.